All right, Micah chapter 7 this morning. Micah chapter 7, let's read again this week, verses 7 through 13. Therefore, I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him. Until he plead my cause and execute judgment for me, he will bring me forth to the light, and I shall behold his righteousness. Then she that is mine enemy shall see it, and shame shall cover her, which said unto me, Where is the Lord thy God? Mine eyes shall behold her, now shall she be trodden down as the mire in the streets. The day that thy walls are to be built in, in that day shall the decree be far removed. In that day also he shall come even to thee from Assyria and from the fortified cities and from the fortress even to the river and from sea to sea and from mountain to mountain. Notwithstanding, the land shall be desolate because of them that dwell therein for the fruit of their doings. We have seen in verses 7, 8, in the beginning of verse 9 last week, the actions of a mature believer. This is somebody who knows where to look in verse 7, how to wait. This is one who keeps a proper perspective through affliction in verse 8. And last week, this is one who understands the need for correction and how we all deserve far more than God ever gives to us. We don't have time to recap it, but I would certainly encourage you to go back and listen to last week's lesson if you missed it, okay? Um, it's not live streamed in Sunday school, so you would have to go to our podcast or our website. All right, let's pick up where we left off last week by continuing in verse 9. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against Him until He plead my cause and execute judgment for me. He will bring me forth to the light. I shall behold his righteousness. We, we talked about bearing the indignation. There was a recognition by Micah that they deserved the punishment that they were to bear for their sins against God. This is all part of taking responsibility for our actions. This is being a mature believer. This is understanding that uh, anything I get from God, I have deserved it. Amen. Uh, except for His mercy and His grace. Any chastisement I get, any correction I get, it, I, it was owed to me. We take responsibility for our actions, acknowledging that we only have ourselves to blame for the consequences that we reap. Next we read, until He, speaking of God, until He plead my cause and execute judgment for me. Now I want you to understand in this statement that God is always in control. Until He. Until God. The the punishment is coming. They have had their national sins They have gone a-whoring after strange gods. They have forsaken God and His law. Micah knows that the the captivity is is going to come upon them unless they repent. And now we're seeing that God in this punishment, in this chastisement, until God plead my cause and execute judgment. God, I want you to understand, anytime we're going through God's chastisement, He's not casting us aside. He's not forsaking us. He's not this mean God up in the sky. 
It might be we have to bear His indignation, but as His children, it would be His righteous indignation, not His wrath. God knows how much pressure to apply in every situation. Amen? He knows how hard the spanking needs to be, if you will. He knows how much pressure to apply, and He knows for how long we need to be under that affliction. Remember, our God is always just. What does this mean? That His his chastisement will always be in direct proportion to our transgression. He's always in control. He knows exactly what we need. Psalm 62, 12 says, Also unto thee, O Lord, belongeth mercy, for thou renderest to every man according to his work. It'll be just. It'll be right. It'll be a fair measure. Jeremiah 32, 19, Great in counsel and mighty in work, for thine eyes are open upon all the ways of the sons of men, to give every one according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. Colossians 3.25 But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done. And there is no respect of persons. God's mercy, hallelujah, will often override what we deserve. We know that to be true as His children because if we got what we deserve, we'd be in hell. His mercy overrides what we deserve. But God's chastisement, when He does give us chastisement, it will never be over the top. It won't be abusive. He always deals with us according to our ways because He's no respecter of persons. And He's no respecter of persons because He is just. Remember the chant, lock her up. Never happened. Never happened. And I don't know if you've seen the latest that's come out in that whole thing. Uh, Even more guilty than we thought before. Nothing's going to happen. Why? Because our judicial system is a respecter of persons. God is not. God doesn't care if you're the pastor. He doesn't care if you're in the gutter. He's no respecter of persons. And, and I'm saying this to tell you, when you go through affliction, you go through punishment, never accuse God of being unfair. Now as we consider this thought in context, captivity is on the way. For both houses of Israel. The house of Israel would be defeated and taken captive by the Assyrians. The house of Judah would be defeated and taken captive by the Babylonians. The house of Israel would be scattered all over the place. They'd be taken captive. They'd be sold in slavery. They would be all over the world. Um, The house of Israel would be so intermixed with the Gentiles that they would lose their political identity. They would never come back and and reestablish the house of Israel. It was done. They would be allowed to come in under Judah, but they, they would be done. And, uh, and if you know the history of the house of Israel, none of the kings ever did right in the sight of the Lord. They all did evil. The house of Israel was a mess from day one when Jeroboam made the two golden calves and kept Israel from going down to Judah to worship. And so it, it, they were a mess. They, they suffered what they deserved. The house of Judah, when they were taken captive and Jerusalem was destroyed along with the temple, they would be taken captive And they also would be scattered to some degree. But there would be this remnant that would not lose their identity. And they would go back to the land after 70 years, and they would reestablish their political presence in Judea. And and God allowed them to retain their identity because He had made a promise that the line of the tribe of Judah would come one day. And so Judah had to remain intact in order for God's prophecy to be fulfilled. 
and bring in the Messiah. Both houses of Israel would bear their punishment because of their sin against God. They would, God would, would plead both of their cause, and He would execute judgment for both of them. But the context here, it better fits, I believe, the Babylonians, the house of Judah. I, I think that's the emphasis here in our, in our context. And so I want to I go with that. Um, and I think the text will bear that out as I try to bring these verses out this morning. Now, I hope I can adequately explain this, how God works in situations like we have here in our text, as God is bringing chastisement in your life, as He is bringing uh, correction into your life. I, I want you to try to get how God is at work. Um, both houses of Israel deserved what they got. I think we're all okay with that. I think we all understand that. We get it. Uh, specifically here, the, the house of Judah and the Babylonians, God... He used the Babylonians to execute judgment upon Judah. That's undisputable. I mean, we see that clearly in the Word of God. Zechariah 1.15 says of the Babylonians that they helped forward the affliction. God brought affliction. He used the Babylonians to do that. But where it can get slightly confusing for some is in this way. Those who God uses to execute His righteous judgments will sometimes do so unrighteously. Try to stay with me here. And then God now has to bring judgment against that nation that did so unjustly in exercising His righteous judgment. And and in time, God is going to bring judgment to them for their wickedness. For example, when God delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt, He was going to bring them into the land of Canaan just as He promised to Abram. But God was also at work in another way. That's what I want you to understand. Genesis 15, 16, God told Abram, but in the fourth generation they shall come hither again, speaking about the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. But in the fourth generation they shall come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. You see, God was at work in two directions. He's working to to bless the children of Israel, to bring them out of Egypt, bring them into the promised land, but He's also at work to bring judgment against the Amorites who dwelled in the land very wickedly. And so God's going to bless them. He's going to judge them simultaneously. God is at work. Deuteronomy chapter 9, verses 4 through 6, Speak not thou in thine heart, after that the Lord thy God hath cast them out from before thee, saying, For my righteousness the Lord hath brought me in to possess this land. Israel, don't do that. Don't look at yourself and go, we got the land because we're so good. God says, no, don't do that. But listen to what it says. But for the wickedness of these nations, the Lord doth drive them out from before thee. Not for thy righteousness or for the uprightness of thine heart dost thou go in to possess their land. But for the wickedness of these nations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out before thee. And that he may perform the word which the Lord sware unto thy fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Understand therefore that the Lord thy God giveth thee not this good land to possess it for thy righteousness, for thou art a stiff-necked people. God brought judgment to the Amorites by bringing Israel out. God brought judgment against America from another people on 9-11. And in time, 
God brought judgment upon them for their unrighteousness. Is this making sense what I'm trying to lay down here? Listen, God's ways are past finding out. They're higher than ours. They're greater than ours. He is always at work. God is always in control. And you ought to take comfort in that in the day in which we live. Nothing that's going on in the world is surprising God right now. He's orchestrating things. He's working His purpose and His plans. He's working in multiple directions at the same time. What we may think is going to be a a bad thing over here. Uh, Lord, I don't understand these mandates and I don't understand all this overreach of government. It may just lead to an uprising of freedom. Who knows how God is at work? He's working in multiple directions all the time is what I'm saying. And so in trying to understand more about this principle of how God works and that He is always working perfectly in different directions simultaneously, this is what God has taught me in my life. You do with this as you see fit, but it has taught me to ask God, what are you, God, trying to teach me in every situation? Every situation. Even if it seems that that situation isn't for me, Maybe I don't even feel like I'm that involved. God, how is it you're trying to work in my life? When accusations come against me that are untrue, Lord, how are you trying to work in my life? Is there an element of truth to it? Is there something I'm blind to? Is there something you're trying to show me? As as pastor, I watch relationships fall apart in very heartbreaking ways sometimes. And when the one who has been wronged comes to me, I always try to get them to ask God, how are you working in my heart through this? They would have never wished for it. They never would have wanted it for their enemy. But they're going through it. And that guy and that girl and that situation, hold on, you can't control their actions. How is God working in your heart through the affliction? How is God working in your heart in situations that you may feel like, I didn't do anything wrong here. But how is God working in your life? Um, And and I think you have to ask these things. Don't be guilty of just looking at the one at fault who has mistreated you and focus all your energy and attention on them. The Holy Spirit's got to be the one that changes the heart. We, We can't change anybody's heart. So look at yourself too. See if there's a lesson in it for you because more often than not there is. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me. Know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. A couple, once upon a time, came to Adrian and I for for marital counsel. And the wife only wanted to focus on the husband's shortcoming. And they were substantial. We met several times, and just as soon as I put my thumb on her problem, didn't want to come back, to this day haven't heard a word from her, even though I've tried. I'm not the one with the problem. He is. God's at work in both directions. She had some issues that she didn't want to deal with. You see, you've got to go into difficulties and you've got to go through problems and you've got to be mature. And you've got to learn to say, Lord, what is it you're trying to teach me? You see, in that situation I just highlighted, God was desirous to work on both of them. 
how prideful we can be. She only wanted to focus on him. Well, you know, sis, you really need to do this. Oh, no. So she refused to see how God was trying to work in her life through the affliction, through the problem. She didn't want to be searched. She didn't want to be tried. And she didn't want to be led. Remember, the the theme that I'm trying to draw from, from these set of verses is the maturity of a believer. A mature believer will always seek to see how God is at work in every situation. A mature child of God recognizes God is always at work. And though we may not see it at first, and though it may be puzzling going through it, I promise you if you'll stay with it and trust that God is at work all around, when that thing finally passes, you're going to look back and realize how God was at work in everybody's lives that were involved. So back to our text. Micah, he's foretelling of the Babylonian destruction of Jerusalem and their captivity to come. But he is also foretelling that the Babylonians are going to be destroyed. That their judgment's going to come as well for how they executed uh, the destruction of Jerusalem. It was very barbaric. God was going to deal with Israel's sins, but after 70 years of captivity, God was going to deal with the Babylonians' sins. You may recall last week that I cited Psalm 137. It's when it begins with Judah going into captivity into Babylon. Remember that the Babylonians, they said, sing us one of the songs of Zion. And just showing how merciless the enemy can be. And they requested a song and all they could do was weep. How can we sing the songs of Zion in a foreign land? And all they could do is hang their harps upon the trees. And, and they, they couldn't do it. That was at the beginning of Psalm 137. But listen now to the end of Psalm 137 in verses 8 and 9. O daughter of Babylon, who art to be destroyed, happy shall he be that rewardeth thee as thou hast served us. Happy shall he be that taketh and dasheth thy little ones against the stones. I mentioned last week, that's how the Babylonians came in. They would yank children out of mother's arms and smash the children's heads upon the rocks. And at the end of Psalm 137, it says, there's a day coming when you're going to get what you've sown. And you're going to read the same thing because you're going to be rewarded for the exact same evils you've done to us. God was going to treat Babylon like they had treated Judah. Jeremiah 25, 11 through 14. And this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment. Speaking of Judah. And these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. And it shall come to pass when 70 years are accomplished that I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, saith the Lord, for their iniquity and the land of the Chaldeans and will make it perpetual desolations. And I will bring upon that land all my words which I have pronounced against it, even all that is written in this book which Jeremiah had prophesied against all the nations. For many nations and great kings shall serve themselves of them also. And I will recompense them according to their deeds, according to the works of their own hands. You see, God will execute judgment. may not be in your time, but He will execute. He's always at work. 
both directions. Don't get ahead of God and don't take matters in your own hands. <laughs> Amen. God was going to, to deliver them from the enemy in His time. And He was going to bring Judah to recognize the righteousness of His judgments. Psalm 37, verses 5-7, through 7, Commit thy way unto the Lord, and trust also in, in Him. That's good right there. Commit your ways to the Lord, trust in Him. Listen to what it says. And He shall bring it to pass. And He shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for Him. Fret not thyself because of Him who prospereth in His way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. You see, when we just decide to go ahead and plead guilty to God, He may go easy on us. It was always best if I told my dad the truth. You're better off just to confess your sinfulness before God. Uh, let Him plead your cause. He's going to bring you out of darkness into His light. And listen, there's liberty in the Lord once we confess our sins. And we just take responsibility and we just be mature. And we just say, okay, Lord, I know that I deserve whatever you give me. And I always ask the Lord, please be merciful to me in your judgment. Look at verse 10. Then she that is mine enemy shall see it, and shame shall cover her which said unto me, where is the Lord thy God? Mine eyes shall behold her. Now shall she be trodden down as the mire of the streets. So the day would come when God would deal with the enemy. Their pridefulness, the Babylonians' pridefulness, would be turned to shame. And they were pridefully asking them, Where is the Lord thy God? We covered that, I think, a couple weeks ago. Where is the Lord thy God? But in time, they would know. <laughs> they would know where God was at because... They were going to be trodden down as the mire in the streets. And they were going to reap what they sowed. And, and this is a reference here to when God allowed the Persians under the reign of Cyrus to come in and defeat the Babylonians. And, and I bring that up to say this. Again, we see how God is at work in multiple directions. He's, he's going to bring them out of captivity, very similar to when they came out of Egypt. He's going to bring them out of captivity... He's going to bring a nation in, the Persians, to drive out and bring judgment on the Babylonians who had mistreated them 70 years earlier. God is always moving pieces around in a miraculous turn of events. As foretold by the prophet Isaiah, Cyrus, the king of Persia, would issue a decree for the Jews to return to the land and rebuild the city and the temple. Amazing. Isaiah 44, 28. That saith of Cyrus, He is my shepherd and shall perform all my pleasure, even saying to Jerusalem, Thou shalt be built, and to the temple thy foundations shall be laid. Look at verse 11 again. In that day that thy walls are to be built, and in that day shall the decree be far removed. God had a plan. He was going to bring it to pass. He's in full control. And so after Israel bore the indignation of the Lord for their sin against Him, and after God pleaded their cause, executed judgment upon their enemy, Jerusalem now was to be rebuilt. The walls would be rebuilt. The temple would be rebuilt. You can read that, Ezra, Nehemiah. Uh, you can read about all this. God would grant them favor once again. And then in verse 12, we see the long-awaited return back to the land. It says, In that day also He shall come even to thee from Assyria and from the fortified cities, and from the fortress, even to the river, from sea to sea, and from mountain to mountain. And so not only those that were held in captivity in Babylon, 
uh, could return. They now could return. But also we see uh, those who had been taken captive by the Assyrians. They would be allowed to return. But as I said earlier, they would not return and reestablish the house of Israel. They would have to fall under Judah if they were to return to the land. But verse 13 reminds them, Notwithstanding, the land shall be desolate. You're still going to go through the captivity. You're still going to have to bear the indignation for your sin. You're still going to have to deal with the fruit of your doings, it says in verse 13. So before all these great things would transpire, they were going to have to go through the pain of captivity. Sometimes you've got to go through it. Before the better times, before the the liberty comes, before you have that... Uh, that wonderful walk with God. You're sitting in darkness. You're seeing His light. In time, God's going to bring you out and you're going to look back and you're going to understand it all. And you're going to come through that thing stronger if you'll just stay with it. God's going to deliver. He's going to allow the walls to be rebuilt, the city to be rebuilt. And listen, there'll be better times ahead. God would not forget them. But they were going to have to bear the fruit from the wicked seeds they had sown. Remember I said last week, you you can choose your sin, but you can't choose your consequences. Micah 4.10 Be in pain and labor to bring forth, O daughter of Zion, like a woman in travail. For now shalt thou go forth out of the city, and thou shalt dwell in the field, and thou shalt go even to Babylon. There shalt thou be delivered. There the Lord shall redeem thee from the hand of thine enemies. And then in Micah 5.3 Therefore he will give them up until the time that she which travaileth hath brought forth. Then the remnant of his brethren shall return unto the children of Israel. Listen, you may be going through some dark times today. You may be going through dark times in your life. It may be very difficult for you right now. The storms of life are raging. But I want you to rest assured this morning that God is at work. He knows what you need in your heart. Would you ask God just to show you what is it you're trying to teach me? Find out what God is is working in your life. Confess any sinfulness and plead guilty before Him. God will deliver. Now, before we close this lesson, I want to take these same set of verses real quick and I want to apply them to Christ. Because ultimately our deliverance is in Christ. Amen. And I believe that there's a deeper fulfillment here. There's a double prophecy fulfillment, if you will, of what's being said here. And by the way, when you're reading through your Old Testament, if, you, if you'll learn to look for Christ, man, the Bible will just blossom. A lot of those boring passages will become more alive. When I first arrived here, a pastor was going through seeing Christ in the Old Testament back in 2001. And I remember just being in awe of that study, and I've tried to do it myself. I've never stayed stationed somewhere long enough to get through it. It's, that's how long it takes to go through it. I've only made it up to Isaiah. But uh, here in Micah, we see Christ. And, and we'll, we'll see more, um, I think, as we go through this chapter, if I remember correctly. But in verse 7, Micah was looking unto and waiting for the God of salvation. In verse 8, while sitting in darkness, the Lord would be a light unto him. And remember, we, we said while we were in that verse that the people who sat in darkness... Speaking of Naphtali and Zebulon, um, those regions, they saw a great light. They were sitting in darkness, but a light had sprung up when Christ showed up publicly as the long-awaited Messiah. In verse 9, he confessed that he deserved 
punishment for his sinfulness against God. But that would be taken away in Christ because Jesus came to plead our cause. (laughs) Jesus came to execute judgment upon the wicked one. Jesus, who was sinless, willingly went to the cross to bear God's wrath in our place. And He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. And when we place our faith and trust in Christ alone, we are brought into God's light. Peter said, we have been called out of darkness into His marvelous light. And in Christ we behold His righteousness because we learn that there is no righteousness in of ourselves. We need His righteousness imputed upon us. And in verse 10, our enemy, Satan and his demons, they have seen the victory of Christ. Satan has been trodden under the foot of Christ. God said after the fall of the man in the Garden of Eden that the promised seed of Christ would bruise Satan's head. Luke chapter 10, verse 19, Jesus said, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Romans 16.20 And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. And I think we can even make the application perhaps that verses 9 and 10 here can speak directly of Christ who took the indignation we deserved upon Himself. Amen. Uh, When He became sin. And that God pleaded Jesus' cause. And that God executed judgment upon Satan on Christ's behalf. God brought Christ from darkness, the darkness of the grave, into the light of life when He resurrected again the third day. And He arose in righteousness, having defeated all sin. And Christ's enemies were put to shame. They ridiculed Him while He was on the cross, basically saying, where is your God now? But Christ was triumphant over His enemies, treading them underfoot. Colossians 2.15 says, And having spoiled principalities and powers, He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. And in verse 11, The walls of salvation have been built in Christ Jesus our Lord. The decree of God's wrath, which is upon every unbeliever, is removed in Christ. Isaiah 26.1, In that day shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Salvation will God appoint for walls and bulwarks. The walls are built, the salvation in Christ. Speaking of the eternal day to come in Isaiah 60 verse 18, it says, Violence shall no more be heard in thy land, wasting nor destruction within thy borders, but thou shalt call thy walls salvation and thy gate praise. And then in verse 12, in Christ all are welcomed out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation. None are excluded from Christ. Say amen right there. Uh, Anybody can be saved who will place their faith in Christ. He died for all. All can be redeemed. 2 Peter 3, 9, He's not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. And then in verse 13, even though Christ has won the victory and made salvation a free gift for any who will receive it, notwithstanding, get this now, notwithstanding, any who refuse Christ will remain desolate, and they will continue to receive the fruit of their doings unless they repent. So I believe there's a dual fulfillment here in these verses. One for the children of Israel coming out of captivity and the other 
for those who will come to Christ and be delivered from sin's captivity. But the choice is yours. So have you received Christ today? Have you received the free gift of salvation? Christ paid the debt He did not owe that you might be redeemed. That you might be reconciled to God and have your sins forgiven forever. Do you know Christ today? Not do you know about Him. Not are you a pretty good person. Do you know Him personally? Listen, you don't have to stay in captivity any longer. But see His light in your darkness and you'll be delivered. And you'll know what it means to have liberty in Christ. He'll save any who call upon Him. What a great Savior. For those of you in Christ, if you're experiencing darkness, then search what it is God is wanting to teach you. Confess any sins. Get right with God and watch as He delivers you from the enemy. Look unto the Lord and wait for the God of your salvation. Amen? Let's pray.